It was meant to be the greatest ship of all time, the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. April 10, 1912, one of the largest ocean liners ever built left the shores of England to make the trip over the Atlantic into New York. The ship was built with a huge water system that even if the ship took on water, it would not sink. So they thought. Five days later, the Titanic hit an iceberg and sinks, killing 1,500 people on board. All because the captain of the ship was confident that the ship would never sink. You know what that is? Pride. I'm going to talk about pride today. Let's talk about the definition. Let's begin there. Pride is defined a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, or from qualities uh, or possessions that are widely admired. When my daughter came first in her race, I was proud. When our church celebrated our eighth year anniversary, I was proud. When I walk past, I wrote this on Tuesday, when I walk past Donut King and didn't buy anything, I was proud. Here's the updated edit. I walked past Donut King today and I bought donuts. So, you know, I'm only human. But if pride is celebrating one's achievements, what's the problem with pride? Why is pride seen as something that is so bad? The problem with pride is this. It gives ourselves credit for something that God did. It gives ourselves credit for something that God has accomplished. It takes the glory that belongs to God alone and keeps it for ourselves. And it becomes a form of self-worship. See, when we choose to worship ourselves, then we do not worship God. And that's why God hates pride. And he hates proud people because people who are proud ultimately say, I don't need God. If I'm proud of my achievements, what I can and can't do, then I don't need God. Because ultimately, I believe that I am the master of my own universe. And this is why God hates pride so much because everyone else is taking the credit that God alone deserves and everyone else thinks that they are something that they are not. The theme of pride comes over and over again in the book of Proverbs that we're in this winter. Remember, a proverb is a statement or a, a, that represents a truth or a piece of advice. And in Proverbs, we see that the author warns the reader over and over again to not be proud because God hates the proud. So here's some scripture, Proverbs 16.5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 
Proverbs 15, 25, the Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Proverbs 16, 18, 19, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, better to be lowly in spirit uh, along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. And it's not just in the Proverbs that we see, but actually throughout Scripture, God has a very clear opinion about the proud. Matthew 23, 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. James 4, 6, but he gives more, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God oppresses, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, out of all the sins that are mentioned in Scripture, commentators say that the Sin of pride is the deadliest of all sins. Why? Because it leads to all other sins. At the root of the sin of pride is the declaration, I don't want God to be God. I don't need God because ultimately I am my God. And that's where we see creation go in, in, in Genesis, the original sin. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, what was the sin? It was pride. It was pride. Who is God to tell me what I can and can't do? I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to be my own God. And I know what I'm doing even more than God. Oh, God said I'm going to die if I touch the fruit or eat the fruit. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. And then bang, sin enters creation. Now, before we think that pride is someone else's problem, right? let me share with you six types of pride. Uh, and as I go through these, see which of these relate to you. Now, by the end of the six, if you feel none of them resonate with you, you are like next level proud. You're a different level and we'll pray for you at the end. All right? Okay, six different types of pride. Okay, number one, self-exaltation. I am awesome, right? Pride gives credit to me. Look how good I am. I am the greatest. Look at what I have achieved. We credit ourselves for our successes. This is the, probably the most obvious um, type of pride, self-exaltation. Number two, self-promotion. Hey, everyone, thanks for telling me how awesome I am. Pride welcomes credit from others. It's not, uh, it's not look how good I am, but it's I do something good and I wait for everyone else to tell me how good I am. It, it's, like, uh, it, it's, it's like taking credit for myself but letting others give it to me. This is like an example is it's like when your mum says that you can be the next prime minister of Australia, right? That's my mum. Like my mum literally, even today, really thinks that if I wanted to, I could be the next, maybe not the next prime minister, but, you know, down the track, right? At that point, right? At that point, if I just stand there, that's pride. That's self-promotion. Yes, I didn't say it, but I didn't correct it. If I don't correct her or others, ultimately, I'm taking the credit for that statement. Now, people who are about self-promotion, they fish for compliments. They turn the conversation back towards their own goodness, waiting for others to comment. 
Number three, self-justification. God, I am awesome. Pride that expects credit from God. God, look how moral I am. Look how good I am. It's not even fishing uh, for credit from other people, but from God. God, I went to church today. God, I, I prayed this week. God, I gave to charity. I'm not as bad as that other person. People want to be justified before God of how good they are. An example of this are the Pharisees who were so proud of their religious ways expecting God to pat them on the back and say, well done. Self-justification. Now, these first three types of pride are the more obvious ones. They're ones that you can see. But there are three others that are not as obvious, but yet still as sinful. Number four, self-degradation. What does that say? It says, look at me, how weak I am. Pride that tears oneself down. These people, they're super harsh on themselves, whether it be in public with other people or in private just with themselves. Why is this pride and why is this a problem? Because this is self-absorption. In one sense, it's still a worship of self. It's just not about how awesome I am, but it's about how crappy I am. And you're so obsessed with how crap you are, you're still sinful. You're still proud. Right? Still pride, still sin. Self-degradation. Number five, self-demotion. Look at me. I can never be awesome as everyone else. Pride that compares itself to others. These are people that compare themselves to everyone else around them to find themselves not good enough. They are always letting others know. Other, they're letting people know that Someone else is better than me. Look at that person. They're so much better than me. Oh, look how good they are. It's, it's so funny. If you have conversations with these people, you could be talking about something completely different, right? Got nothing to do with that person. And that person will say a comment, something like, oh, yeah, man, like they're so much like better than, than, than me. And you're like, but we're not talking about you. That's self-demotion. It's an element where it's like, look how good they are, look how crap I am. And once again, it comes back to never being satisfied with who you are and, and never being satisfied where they're at. Self-demotion, people who are involved in self-demotion, they throw parties for themselves. What kind of parties? Pity parties. Oh, woe to me. That person is so much better looking than me. That person is so much smarter than me. And I, you know, and you push myself, push myself down, push myself down, but still. It's still self-centered. It's another form of self-promotion, but on the other, other side of the scale. Look at me. Everyone is better than me. Feel sorry for me. Self-demotion. Finally, there's self-condemnation, which says, look at me. I am worth nothing. This is the, the, the final level. Pride that judges himself. This is a more extreme version of self-demotion, but people believe that they are so bad and they're so messed up that they're not even acceptable to God. And, and, and so they resist going to God for his forgiveness and his grace, even though that is available, because they would rather feel condemned and they would rather feel horrible before God. And you know what? These last three ones, it's funny because they sometimes are masked in the fact that it's humility, but it's actually not. It's self-absorption. The problem with self-condemnation is this. 
they, by telling themselves, look at me, I am worth nothing, actually become a higher judge than God himself. God says, I love you, you're worth it. And, and that person who is, who is involved in self-condemnation says, no, I am not worth it, therefore I'm not even going to go to God. Their standards and their assessment trumps everyone else's, including God's. And if you really think about it, it's still the same. They think that they know better than God. And that's why it's pride. The bottom line of pride is this. I am better and I know more. Whether that's pride against people, but we're really talking about pride against God. As I said, if you couldn't resonate with any of these six types of pride, you're just in denial, you have no self-awareness, no God-awareness, and really, really, really up yourselves. All right? Friends, we're all proud. We all think that our thoughts and our ways are right and better. We don't want anyone telling us how to live our lives. Why? Because we know better. We are better. And yet, here's the problem. Before God the creator. Right? Like if you're comparing yourself to another human being and you go, look, you know, I think I know a little bit more than you, you know, to my like five-year-old son or something like that, right? Like, okay, there's a little bit of justification in that. But when you compare yourself in the picture of God, the comparison of you and God, the context of you and God, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, what an insult that is to God to say to him, I know better than you and therefore I don't need you. How foolish that is. How foolish it is that me creation would point the finger at the creator and say, I know better. That's why God hates the proud. The Lord detests the proud of heart. God says, I hate pride and arrogance. Pride goes before destruction because God opposes the proud. There is nothing, my friends, in the context of God. There is nothing that you have done or are as a person that impresses beyond God himself. And so if this is God's perspective on pride, right? if this is what God thinks about pride, how should we live our lives? And the answer that the Proverbs say is with wisdom. So what does wisdom say? How do we deal with the problem of pride in our lives? And the answer is this, humility. Seek humility. Humility is having a right view of oneself, neither greater or less than what it truly is. Humility is not overinflating yourself, as pride does, or undervaluing yourself, as pride does. But it's having the right view. It's having the right view. Sometimes we think, I think we understand the idea of humility of lowering yourself, you know, lower yourself, lower your opinion, 
okay? So that you're not like, I am the next prime minister of Australia. I am the greatest. I am the best, right? So, you know, lower yourself. But, but sometimes the other extreme too, for those that actually go beyond the true value and the true worth, they become, they, they become proud on the other end. Like, I'm worth nothing. Woe to me. Ho hum, ho hum. Sit in my house, pity party, play a candy crush. Right? That's also pride. So humility is knowing, knowing who you are and seeing yourself for exactly who you are. Proverbs 15.33 Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. 22.4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Humility allows us to see God first. See, God first in our lives and, and, and ourselves in the context of God, recognizing that we are not the creator, we are not the center of the universe, but God is. God is the almighty one and we are not. It's because of God that we are who we are and have what we have because, and not because of what we have done. When we seek wisdom and sit in the fear of the Lord, this comes with humility, but with humility comes honor. Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Quote, the great secret to humility is not to focus on yourself at all, but to fill your mind and heart with the glory of God revealed in the sin-conquering death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You cannot, you cannot become humble, right? This is the, the, one of the greatest ironic statements in the world. I'm the most humble person in the world. You know, I'm the best at being humble, right? Completely ironic. The secret with humility is that you can't look, actually focus on yourself but you've got to see God. And when you see God and you see what God has done for you through his son, Jesus, that's how you can gain humility. Because only when you see yourself through the lens of God, will you not overvalue nor undervalue yourself. And the beauty of, of Jesus is that Jesus, not only is he the helper to show us what humility is, but he actually gives us the example through the life that he lived on earth of what humility looks like. And we see this in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature God, this is who Jesus is, right? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing to take the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who Jesus was, the perfect picture of true humility. And that's who we're meant to follow. That's the example. Wisdom tells us 
that pride, you choose pride. You have a funky view of yourself, meaning you overvalue yourself or you undervalue yourself. It will lead to destruction. But when we seek humility, the wisdom where we sit before the Lord and, and, and we, we think about the Lord and, and, and live in the fear of the Lord, will come honour. God will honour you. God will honour you. There's a, there's a parable that Jesus teaches. And two men go to the temple. And one is a, a rich, uh, a teacher of the law. Sorry, not a rich teacher of the law. Probably was rich. A teacher of the law, a Pharisee. And he goes to pray. And the two men go to pray into the temple. And this guy who's, you know, an equivalent of a church pastor walks into the temple, probably walks right up to the front, stands and looks at God and says, God, I want to thank you for making me awesome. God, I want to thank you that I didn't do bad things this week. I want to thank you that, that you know, I got to give generously to charities. I want to thank you that I prayed every day, three times a day before my meals. I want to thank you that I am awesome. And there's a kicker of a line. And I want to thank you that I'm not like that sinner. And then the sinner prays. And the sinner can't even go to the front of the temple. He's too ashamed. He's too broken. And he, he can't even look to the heavens. And his head is bowed and he beats his chest and says, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I, am, I, I have done wrong by you. And Jesus tells his story and he goes, who do you think was justified? Meaning, who went home right with God? And it was the sinner. Wisdom teaches us to live in the fear of the Lord. Wisdom teaches us to know who we are, nothing more or nothing less. Nothing more and nothing less. Nothing more is this. You're a sinner. There is nothing. There is nothing that you have achieved in your life that impresses God. There is nothing that you can do in your life where you can put a gold star on your shirt and go, look at this, God. Look how good I am. Look how awesome I am. In the context of God the creator and your sinfulness and my sinfulness, God's on the moon, we're all on the floor. Yeah, you might be able to jump a little bit higher to the moon, but from God's perspective, we don't get there. We don't get to the standard of God's perfection. 
This is something that we need to continually remind ourselves. That's why we continually ask for forgiveness, not because God cannot forgive your sin. It's not God for, uh, forgot your sin, but the reason why we continue to ask for forgiveness for the things that we do wrong is to help our hearts remain humble. It's, it's wise for us to keep in context and knowledge of who we are, that we are sinners at best. Don't see yourself more than that because what you do, what you do is when you see yourself greater than that, you then don't need God. And that is arrogance and that is pride against our God, the creator. When you say, I don't need God, I'm going to be my own God, you are foolish. Friends, you and I, we can control nothing in our lives. You should know this. You're a church at home on a device. No one planned for this. We need to learn that lesson very quickly that we do not control our lives. But we don't. We think we do. We, we, we're foolish. We forget very quickly, hey? No one can guarantee tomorrow. And yet before God, we're telling him how we're going to live our lives so foolish. We need God. Every single person needs God. And for someone to say, I don't need God, I don't need him in my life, you're proud. And scripture tells us that, that pride leads to destruction. So don't overvalue yourself. But the other side of the coin is this. Don't undervalue yourself as well. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, in the eyes of God, you will never be, you'll never be perfect, but he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus himself humbled himself from God to man to die on the cross for your sin. You are worth the blood of the son of God. So when we undervalue ourselves and go, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm too much of a sinner and God will never accept me. And I can't go to church because everyone in the church is perfect and they all smile and they all got their lives together. And I'm telling you now, you, you are the reason that Jesus died on the cross. You're worth it. Doesn't matter what your life's like. Doesn't matter how bad you think you are. Jesus died on the cross for you because God loves you. See, this is what happens when we undervalue another, another form of pride. That's not humility. Actually, that's arrogance because you're calling the shots about your life and not letting God. Remember that it's God that has saved you. So don't overvalue yourself. But remember that you were worthy to be saved. So don't undervalue yourself. Humility is having the right view. The right view. And the only way we can have the right view of ourselves is to see it through the lens of our God, the Creator. Friends, I pray that God would give you the right view of yourselves today. Whichever side of the spectrum you're on, 
If you're in a place where you're like, I don't need God, I pray for gentleness that you don't get hit by a car this week. Jokes. Please don't get hit by a car this week. I don't have the gift of prophecy. Praise the Lord. Don't wait for God to humble you or to put you in a place where you have no other choice but to go to God. Choose to go to God today. But also, for our friends on the other side of the coin, don't sit back and believe in your heart that you're no good and you're too broken and that's why you can't go to God. It's not, it's not that you're not acceptable to God. It's your pride that doesn't allow you to believe what God has said, which is he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Friends, have the right view of yourself by having the right view of God. And when you have the right view of God, you will live in the fear and the respect and the reverence of him. We are not our own saviors. God is our saviour, but you are worth saving. And I pray those truths over your life today, wherever you are. Let's pray.